Hi, throw me. My name's Tom Atkins. You are listening to Horror Homeschool. Hello, welcome back to Horror Homeschool. I'm Chris. And I'm Ashley. How you doing, Ashley? I'm good. Didn't do a lot today. Well, I cleaned my house, but other than that, I watched The Witcher pretty much all day. So that was cool. I've not seen that. That's on Netflix. So good. Only, But only if you like that kind of stuff. If you don't like, um, you know, fairy tale stuff, sci-fi stuff, like you won't like it. I might give it a give it a go, give it a one episode go, see if I like it. Yeah, I'm not like the biggest fan of Henry Cavill though. So <gasps> what? It's just I, I don't like his Superman. So <laughs> oh, I do. I like his Superman, but I think he's like one of the most attractive men. He looks very attractive with white hair as well. It it it's like he's fake. <laughs> he's not real. <laughs> he's not real. Yeah, <laughs> but it's really good. I like it a lot. Sick. How are um, you? I know you just got off I, work. Yeah, I'm just as as you Americans would call, I'm a hot mess right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> the definition of a hot mess, like uh, a little uh, insight for the listeners. I think I don't think we were recording last episode when I was talking about it, but I've just got a new mic stand, and I attached it to the shelf that's like above my computer desk, um, which already has on my entire. Buffy VHS collection which is very heavy um, and I said to Ashley I hope my mic stand holds on for this episode because it looks very precarious on that shelf <laughs> now it did for that episode however when I left and went to work and came back to find the biggest mess um, the shelf had fallen down on top of my computer my computer desk was just buried with all my Buffy videos my computer screen was smashed and my room's just a complete mess. Um, so I didn't have a chance to sort it out because I've been working. Um, and I've, I've just come to sort my room out now, turned on the computer, and the computer screen's like totally fucked. I can't even see what I'm doing right now. <laughs> and my room is just like a bomb site. Like there's just, well, my shelf is just over there, just cast aside, and my Buffy videos are everywhere, and there's wires everywhere. and yeah, it's just, uh, it's not fun. And you know how much of a neat freak I am, so this is just stressing me out. My, compu- my computer tower is actually balanced on top of my speakers at the moment. You're stressing me out. It's all very precarious. I know you love that word. Um, it's a yeah, wonderful so... word that nobody uses here. Yeah. 
Yeah, so uh, there's just there's goosebumps books everywhere. My whole room is just a total mess, and I am not used to it looking like this. I need to sort it out. But other than that, I'm fine, <laughs> and I'm looking forward to talking about this movie. All right, let's get started then. Let's get stuck in because I know we're on a time crunch today. Uh, but there a little won't bit, be as, sorry. It won't be as long because there won't be as much Creed talk because unfortunately no Creed in this movie. Mm-mm, this this movie mm-hmm. has the worst music too, so okay. probably won't, <laughs> we'll, won't spend we'll a lot of time. In a bit. Um, so uh, before we get into the, f- the film, a few bits of housekeeping. Ryan Horn's been on the blower. He says uh, some more stuff about his Jewish fraternity. He said Jewish fraternity was cheap rent and it was an old house right in the middle of campus. And they had some parties and stuff. He said they they did have keg parties and formals as well. Um, mm. And he said, because you said, what what is the reason for a fraternity? Like, you don't understand what they do. He said, the real reason for a fraternity um, is to, to, to do, in his words, philanthropy and shit. <laughs> um, which is, I guess, charity work. Um, but he said, but for us, it was really just a bunch of Jews in a house. Um, he said That's it was hilarious. He said it was a place for the few Jews on campus to gather, and that he joined it because his brother was in it before him. Um, hmm. So yeah, okay little, then. A little bit more into into that that we were so fascinated about. Um, oh, and Andy gave us some um, feedback from the Scream Free episode. Um, I was saying how I love Lee Schreiber, and I want to see him in more. And found out he's actually the voice of Kingpin in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Hmm. I did not know cool. that. And he also plays Orson Welles. I've never seen it. In a HBO movie. Um, hmm. Oh, you haven't seen Into the Spider-Verse? No, I haven't seen any of the Spider-Man oh. movies. If you Other like than Spider-Man, the Tobey Maguire ones. Then you gotta you got to check out that because it's the best one. In my I mean, opinion. I love Spider-Man. I think he's one of the goofiest of the superheroes but you know (laughs) Uh, seriously though if you like art and comics and stuff like into the spider-verse is just an absolute masterpiece it just that's what i heard yeah it's just fantastic um but yeah back to ryan horn he said are you going to do all the black christmases um because i mentioned we'll do some christmas horrors next year um and he said that the the two remakes apparently suck so we'll probably just do the original, if I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah, probably. That sounds good. And uh, we also got some Creed back from Kyle. Um, he says that <laughs> he says, <laughs> I love you guys, but I can't hang with Creed. So he doesn't like them at all. Um, Tell him to get out of here. No, there's just kidding. no Creed love. Like, where are all there's Creed, no Creed love? At? You know, like, there's nothing but I'm hate so for them. I don't get it. Um, but however, Kyle thinks that we should keep the Creed outro that we used on the Scream 2 episode. <laughs> he says it's just so you and Ash. Which <laughs> is very true. I would keep mm. it, but I'm just so scared of Scott Stapp's lawyers, honestly. I, <laughs> I know. Just don't, I don't want to get taken Season down from Spotify. <laughs> he also uh, recommended that I watch Tucker and Dale versus Evil, Hilarious. which I haven't seen before. Um, but a lot of people recommended that, actually. Um, and he's also been sending me his frankly absurd ideas and thoughts and theories about Scream Five. So, oh, goody! I've got, I've got to read these out to you. <laughs> okay. 
So he says, I think it's time to make Gale, Dewey, or Sydney the killer. Scream 5 is Gale. She's off the deep end, needs more kills, needs another book. So Gale is the killer. If done right, this could be great. He says, quote me, uh, Dewey will have to heartbreakingly put her down. And then he says, I haven't figured out, figured out my Sid angle yet. And then he comes back and goes, Sid just could be sick as shit and start killing. Uh, a cop out, but plausible with the right story. She can't escape killing. Uh, may as well embrace it. Uh, it'll be good if it's written and handled properly. And then he goes, oh, Sid and her can do it together. Um, and then Scream 5 credits roll. Dewey's half dead and assembles a team to take out Gale and Sid. Now, I absolutely hate all of those ideas. I do too. <laughs> and 100% uh, say n- nothing will ever happen like that. It makes zero sense and does not fit their characters at all. Um, and the I've told that to Kyle. Like a Scooby-Doo episode. <laughs> Maybe it would have fit in Scream 3. Um, but however, Kyle has admitted that he's not a Scream fan. So he obviously doesn't have as much as an affinity or a grasp on the characters as much as we do. <laughs> However, oh, okay. he did say that he was looking forward to Scream 5 because he thinks it looks good. It does look good. I'm so excited. The more I see, the more I get excited. Oh, I'm already yeah. looking at tickets and stuff like that. Actually, after watching Scream 4 again today, like I started to get excited for Scream 5. Just you like, watched you know it again? What? Oh, you watched it with commentary. Yeah, I did the commentary today. Um, but I was like, you know, what? I just I need some more scream. Like, it's just so fucking good. <laughs> uh, and also, I just and realized today that the blonde guy that was in Thirteen Reasons Why and Goosebumps don't know the actor's name, but he's in Scream Five, and he's gonna be um, Hicks's son. Um, you know, Judy Hicks in Scream Four. Uh, the blonde police officer. Oh, lemon squares. <laughs> yeah, we'll that's, to her. <laughs> that's gonna be um, her son in the new film. So, so this is. So it's what? tying back to Scream Four. Ten, eleven years after mm-hmm. Scream Four. I think, yeah. Oh, yeah, two thousand eleven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, that's what we'll get through right now. So let's do it. Scream Four released in two thousand eleven. So it's eleven years after Scream Three. And 15 years after the original. Directed by Wes Craven and written by Kevin Williamson. And what a triumphant mm-hmm. return it is for Kevin Williamson. I know. Um, it's his first time in 14 years as being involved in the franchise as a screenwriter. Because uh, he had scheduling conflicts with other things. That's why he didn't do Scream 3. Um, he was doing The Faculty at the time. And some mm. episodes of Dawson's Creek. Good movie. Um, and he also did Halloween H2O, uh, which that's very, very evident because that movie is basically a Scream movie. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, so, yeah, that's why I didn't do Scream 3, but so glad that he was back for Scream 4 because, you know, him and Wes just work so well together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Definitely. Got, got the synopsis here. Ten years have passed and Sydney Prescott, who has put herself back together, thanks in part to her writing, is visited by the Ghostface Killer. Very simple. That's what this film is. It's just a straightforward murder mystery. It's great. Um, So I've got a few bits of trivia that I locked up. I've also got some trivia that I learned from watching the commentary on my Blu-ray, but I'll pepper those in 
throughout uh, talking about scene by scene. Um, by the way, the commentary was awesome. If you get a chance to check it out, do. It's probably on YouTube, but I, I had no clue who was going to be on it. I was hoping that it would be Wes and, you know, the other ones had been uh, a producer and an editor. But as it was introduced, it was like, hi, I'm Wes Craven. And then it was like, I'm Emma Roberts. And I was like, oh, my God, yes, Emma Roberts is on this. And then. Oh, the girl, now I definitely have to. The girl who played Kirby, Hayden Panettiere. I think her, mm-hmm. her surname is pronounced. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely love her. So it was my two favourite characters in this on the commentary. And then halfway through, Neve Campbell comes on the phone and does some commentary what? on it. I was like, holy shit. They just called oh, me man, up. I'm going to definitely like, have to watch that. Oh, it's a great, great commentary. So the trivia that I found on the internet. So first bit, um, it says here, with four instalments, this landmarks the Scream franchise as being one of the only horror franchises to have both its main characters as well as its director return for all of the sequels. Um, Apparently, the UK version contains redubbed and additional dialogue compared to the US version. Both cuts are identical in terms of visual content, but there are approximately 30 oral differences between the two. So you and I watch completely different movies uh, with the audio, apparently, and... I, I, obviously, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know what's different, but it's so odd. That's like weird. Two different versions, <laughs> yeah. Um, Courtney Cox and David Arquette, who were married in 1999 after meeting during the making of Scream, had filed for separation in October of 2010. Although there was slight tension on the set, they were said to have remained professional and respectful of each other. They later divorced in May of 2012. Um, and you just, you can't tell because... The chemistry is fantastic in this. Mm-hmm. Even in the yeah. outtakes, if you get a chance, watch the the outtakes for this film because they are just bouncing off each other, and there just seems to be so much chemistry between them. You would not think that they were like having a divorce at this point. Um, screenwriter Kevin Williamson had repeatedly clashed with the Weinstein's, um, resulting in one of them hiring Aaron Kruger from Scream Three for rewrites. And the script varied heavily from the original drafts. Um, Wes Craven later stated that the main ideas, story and concept of the movie were written by Kevin Williamson with minor changes made by Kruger. Mm. Mm. So that's all we've got to say about the Weinstein. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what can you say? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing without a lawyer present. <laughs> right. Um, despite being the most recognisable face of the Scream franchise, this is the only instalment where Ghostface has appeared on any of the North American posters or home media release covers. You know, the first three, it's all about the cast, isn't it? It's all like what actors are in this, you know, whoever was famous at the time. But yeah, in, in the Scream 4 poster, it's obviously Ghostface mask and then in the shape of the knife going down to the point. Uh, but yeah, first time he appeared on the poster. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, Neve Campbell and Emma Roberts uh, admitted to being terrified of horror films. This is weird to be in a horror film if you don't like any horror at all. Yeah. like us being in a, like a gruesome film. Yeah. Oh, I would hate to have all that blood on me. <laughs> <laughs> um, it says here, for the first time in the franchise, a CGI added knife was used because director Wes Craven wanted to avoid using prop knives as much as possible um so maybe learn his lesson from all the other mishaps in the movies (laughs) um (laughs) 
Saying that though, they do use a uh, a real prop knife later on, which actually did uh, have a bit of a mishap. We'll get to that. Um, so this is the first screen movie not to feature the song "Red Right Hands" by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. And it is is very evident. It would have been nice to sneak it in there somewhere. Yeah, at least in the beginning. Yeah, they have plenty of opportunity to use it, even at the party or something. You know, like. A little transition scene. I don't know. It would have been nice. Um, so this is a really interesting one. So it is revealed that Woodsboro does a stab movie marathon party every year, just like the town of Texarkana, where they play The Town That Dreaded Sundown, which is a 1976 movie, which I've not heard of. Uh, but they play that annually, and it's a movie that's about real-life murders in Texarkana. Um, and they play that movie in the park every October. Um, and the funny thing is, though, the town that dreaded sundown is also mentioned in the first scream when everyone deserts the streets for curfew when Red Right Hand's playing. Mm-hmm. Um, on the wall of the cinema club room, a poster for Death Proof is clearly visible. Mm-hmm. I um, saw that. And Deputy Judy Hicks, or rather the, the actor who plays her, Marley Shelton, uh, is in that movie with um, Rose McGowan, who played Tatum in the first film. <laughs> so that's pretty funny. That, like, Death Proof is a great movie. It is. It is a good movie, actually. I need to rewatch that. We should probably do it at some point. Um, Dewey's limp as a result of a stab wound in the first film and shown to be quite prominent in the sequels is no longer present in this one. Uh, Though not explained on screen, the script dismisses it quickly with a screen direction note saying his limp is nearly non-existent years of physical therapy. So that's that cleared up. Um, So this is really cool. So this is some what we could have had as the cast for Scream 4. And just when you think this movie can't get any better, it totally could have. Christina Ritchie did a screen test for the role of Deputy Judy Hicks. Um, that would have been amazing. I think it's funny because she kind of looks like the girl that plays her. Like the big eyes. Yeah, they eyes, have a very like... similar yeah, facial structure. Mm. So we could have had her. Um, Aubrey Plaza and Amanda Bynes both did screen tests for the role of Rebecca, you know, Sydney's assistant. <sighs> so I that went. I love to... Audrey Plaza. Yeah, she's crazy. But that went um, to Alison Brie in the end, who's fine. She oh, does yeah. a good enough job, but I would have liked to have seen Aubrey Plaza. I mean, I don't know about Amanda Bynes, though. She's the man. <laughs> I love that movie, and I love What a Girl Wants, too. Those are great movies. <laughs> um, This one, oh, my God, I would have loved. Jenna Coleman auditioned for the role of Olivia Morris. So that's the girl that's killed in her bedroom that they see through the window. Who's Jenna Coleman? Who's Jenna Coleman? Only the best doctor's assistant ever from Doctor Who. Oh, Jenna. Oh, (laughs) okay. Clara. Okay. Mm. For some reason, I couldn't remember her actual name. (laughs) I'm in love with her. Awesome. Yeah. I love her. That would have been so sick. She probably would have, like, overshadowed everybody else, though. Maybe that's why they went with more, like, bland actress. (laughs) So cute. She's just so adorable. She's incredible. She outacts. Um, who's the guy that plays the doctor in 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 that? Matt Smith. 
No, the one after. Uh, oh, Peter, uh, Peter Capaldi. Yeah, she like upstages Capaldi a few times in that season. Sometimes, so but he's okay. Well, I, I mean, get into he is fantastic. <laughs> let's be honest. That season was so good. But yeah, oh, uh, so good. digressing with Doctor Who. Um, Selena Gomez was considered for the role of Jill. I can see that because she was popular around that time, like super popular around that time too. Yeah. I wouldn't have liked it though. I think Jill. I wouldn't have liked uh, it either. I mean, I like Selena Gomez, but yeah. Yeah, Emma Roberts did such a fantastic job with both dual identities in this film. It was great. Um, I love her. I love her in Scream Queens. I love mm -hmm. her in uh, American Horror Story. Just all the stuff I really like her in. She is great. Um, it says Emma Roberts auditioned for the film mostly out of nostalgia. Uh, she grew up watching the Scream movies, um, though she's scared of horror films in real life. Um, but she said she also wanted to step outside of her comfort zone and play against the type that she usually does, um, mainly having done, like, family films prior to this. And, yeah, she fucking blew everybody away with that performance, I think. Um, rarely has a film franchise made it to four films with the sequels consistently renumbering the titles without like subtitles of any kind of variation. So, you know, Friday the 13th, they'd put like part five, a new beginning or whatever, you know, like to be scream one, two, three, four with nothing else is, is so cool. And I love it. And I hate that the new one is not five. <laughs> um, yeah. That it's just scream. Yeah. I mean, they could have put the five at the start and made it five cream. You know, that's all I wanted. Because they did it for this one. It was... You wanted five cream. I wanted five cream. This one was screw four, um, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it looked good. Uh, last one. So this film is the only film in the franchise with no male character featured in the opening scene. Um, I've just put down here. Maybe that's progression, I guess. Or maybe they just wanted more peril with all the women. <laughs> so, initial thoughts on Scream 4, Ashley? Scream 4 is probably my favourite besides the first one. Wow. Spoilers for the end, but that, that's, that's impressive. But that's, that's my initial thoughts on that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, on its own... And as a sequel, I just think it's terrific. You know, I just, I love so many things about it. I love the meta commentary from Wes and Kevin in this, you know, like it's ramped up even more than like the previous films, like especially compared to three. This is like less Scooby-Doo and more like social network meets Scream. You know, like the, the social media commentary like was way ahead of its time and has aged really well. Like, mm -hmm. usually, I, usually I hate stuff like that in films, but, like, this is a perfect example of, like, using it correctly. I also think that the production values are really high quality still, and the music and the sound effects, you know, are just as haunting and unsettling as the other ones. Um, script is funny. It's got some, like, genuinely tense scenes and good scares, good gore, lots of gore, and it's well done as well. Not over the top, just like, you know, I, I don't like too much gore, but I think it's great in this film. Um, story's well-paced, entertaining, uh, brilliant direction from Wes Craven as well. Um, 
and then we get all the old characters returning who are still believable and all the actors give good performances um on a whole like the acting is great all around like even the new characters too the girl plays kirby hayden panetere like she's probably my favorite character in this next to jill like i just think they're both fantastic in it um and it's really important as well that we like this new cast of characters that come into it because usually you just like you're there for the ogs this is what i'm worried about going into the new one you've got to have a likable and impressive like group of newbies in it to balance out like the ogs do you know what i mean yeah for sure for sure so i think that's one of the real highlights of this the new ones as well which is you know real important in a sequel um and ghostface as well he's still iconic and scary and effective like it's just a great movie it's got all the pieces in place um so let's get into the movie i love the opening like it's bloody and it's funny you get like a triple opening here <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> Um, like a and, dream within a dream. Yeah, well, it's a movie within a movie within a movie, which is so meta. Meta, meta. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, you know, Wes and Kevin, they're just on fire here. You know, you get all the cliches on, like, the twists in horror movies, you know. So let's break it down. So we open first scene with the phone landline ringing and uh, we get the hot girl answering and ghost face on the other end. Uh, so it kind of mirrors like the shot from the first film, uh, you know, with Drew Barrymore. Uh, but this time she like immediately puts the phone down. It's like, oh, OK. <laughs> uh, and then she's like talking to her friend about what movie they're going to watch. And I just love the back and forth. Like I love the comment when she goes um, saying about how Saw 4 sucks and it's gross. I was like, it does suck and it is gross. <laughs> Um, Kevin was like, "Hey, wasn't that funny?" <laughs> and then she make, makes the joke about it. She says a line about the torture porn, um, which is a great line. Um, I just love all like the horror movie commentary in this. Like, and then she's like on a phone that looks so ancient now. Like I was, I was searching for. It. I was like, "Is it a BlackBerry?" Like she's on Facebook it on a BlackBerry. Kick. It's a sidekick. Like I've never even heard of that. <laughs> What? Oh, they were so popular here. I used to get so really? jealous because I wanted one so bad. Like all the cool <laughs> girls had them. <laughs> that was crazy. Um, but yeah, she gets um, she, so she has a Facebook stalker, and and she's saying to her like, "Oh, what's he saying?" And she's like, "Oh, he's saying like, uh, hey, what's up? Your heart? I want to kill you." <laughs> it's such a good line. <laughs> um, so then Ghostface calls back. And then she passes the phone to her friend and some great one-liners from Ghostface already in this part. Um, so the girl in the yellow top, Sherry, uh, so the actor's name is Lucy Hale. Uh, That's right. I couldn't remember what her name was. So she recently, well, in quotation marks, had a brief romance with uh, Skeet Ulrich uh, this year, in fact. So I don't, know if that, I don't know if that means just... Weird. We're fuck buddies for a bit. <laughs> Brief romance. But, but she's yeah. like so young compared to him. Is she? Oh, well, actually, yeah, I guess she will be, yeah. I mean, she was... I mean, he's... He's old. 
<laughs> he's a daddy there let's be honest Skeetle. i know i don't know how old either one of them are I mean, she, I may, not, she may not be <laughs> yeah um it was funny though actually seeing him at the con like the amount of attention he got from girls like that it was so funny seeing like the line of people waiting to meet him compared to like everyone else it was all just like really hot girls in their 20s <laughs> it's like the line for everyone oh, else was just like fat dude. It's a Riverdale. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, plays what? What's his face? Jughead's hot dad. Dad, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need to catch up on Riverdale. I've not seen anything past that. I know, me too. So good. Um, so, yeah, um, a little bit more on Lucy Hale as well. Uh, she was actually cast in this movie without an audition. She, she was the only one who didn't audition. They just cast her. They're probably just like, she's hot, just cast her. Um, and then you get Ghostface saying, uh, this is the last person you're ever going to see alive. I like that line. Um, and then I'm not outside. I'm right beside you. And then he pops out and kills them both. And then we get the title for Stab Six. And it's like, oh, that was like a false opening. Okay, so this was Stab Six. And it's two girls watching Stab Six. Um, so at this point, it's a movie within a movie. Anna Paquin. Yeah. Um, she was in True Blood, Asuki, and of course, Rogue in X-Men. Mm, um, I love her. She's so great. She's actually coming to the UK next year for a con, so I try. I like to try and meet her. Uh, what's the other chick's name? Um... Uh, Kristen Bell. She was yeah. on it in Frozen and in Forgetting Sarah Marshall as well. And she's also in um, Fanboys. Ah, what I noticed about this scene is that um, the girl that gets stabbed, she gets up and she's like, oh, you know, she kind of basically explains the whole plot within those like <laughs> 10 seconds that yeah. she's speaking. She it's explains amazing. the whole plot of that movie that you're watching. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Where she's like all this self-aware postmodern horror shit. Like, it's just mm-hmm. so good. <laughs> like, again, the writing is just fantastic in this. Um, and then she's just like going on and on about it and her mates just sat there and and you could tell there's something kind of creepy about her but then she's like then she pulls out a knife and stabs rogue in the stomach and she's just like now shut the fuck up and watch the movie <laughs> so <laughs> like the amount of times i've wanted to do that to people <laughs> <laughs> and then we get the title for stab seven and it's like okay how long is this going to go on for? <laughs> you think it's going to keep going on and on? So you're like, right, this has to be the real opening now. So we get another two girls. So at this point, it's a movie within a movie within a movie. Turns out they're watching Stab 7. So I don't know these two actors, actually. Um, um, hit... I don't know the uh, the one with the bangs. Of the I know, I've seen the first one, the one that dies first, but I don't remember. I don't know who the second one is. So it says here that each of the six actresses in the opening sequence was also a main actress in a series. So we get Lucy Hale. She was in Pretty Little Liars in 2010. Um, Sinead Grimes-Beach. She was in 90210 in 2008. Uh, Kristen Bell. She was in Veronica Mars in 2004. Anna Paquin, True Blood in 2008. Amy Teagarden. She's the one with the bangs, I think. She was in Friday Night Lights in 2006. And Britt Robertson, she was in The Secret Circle in 2011 and Under the Dome in 2013. Hmm. 
Um, so yeah, this is the real opening um, in the Scream 4 universe. <laughs> uh, so she totally fucks with her friends, um, doing like ghost face and saying, oh, you know, she goes upstairs. Um, but then she ends up getting killed by Ghostface herself. <laughs> um, and, it's, and, and then we get like a, a homage to the original with Tatum with the garage door, which is really clever. Mm-hmm. I have that written down. I really like this sequence, actually. It's it's really, really well done. Um, most of it was actually a reshoot uh, because they had an original, uh, a different opening originally where she actually doesn't get just thrown through the window and she comes back in and everything's fine. And Ghostface sort of just appears behind her and just starts stabbing her. Um, quite interesting, but I think the the one they they went with works better. Um, some fun facts about that though, like the reshoots that they did for this movie, they did it all in like January as opposed to when they originally filmed it in the summer. So apparently it was like really fucking cold, like zero degrees. And in that scene, they had to have like the front door open the whole time. And it was absolutely freezing. And the girl, um, oh, I've forgotten her character's name, the one with the bangs, we'll call her. Um, obviously, she's just wearing a tank top. She was like so cold. And then uh, when she was getting killed, you know, she gets like pulled back in. Um, she scratched all of her arms as well. So it sounded like kind of a rough time for her. And as well, it was like a snowstorm outside at the time. So, you know, that part where you see like Ghostface come back in. Uh, they had to like CGI out the snowstorm outside. Oh, crazy! <laughs> yeah. Um. So then she gets killed, and we finally get the screen four titles, and we see that we're back in Woodsboro. It's not actually California this time, though. They filmed it in Ann Arbor in Michigan. They did a really good job, I thought, of making it look like Woodsboro because you know, like the fountain looked similar, um, mm-hmm. and it just had the same vibe, didn't it? Like, um, yeah. Another good thing as well about this movie was it was all filmed in real locations. Um, the only thing that was filmed on a set was the hospital scene at the end. So I always love that when they use real locations. And uh, I've got a note down here that it's a good opening song. Like, quite like it. Something to Die For by The Sounds. It kind of feels a bit 90s. Yeah. It's a nice, lovely, wide shot of the town. And it really does remind me of like the original 90s cinematography in Scream actually it just has that same sort of vibe it's nice and it just sort of pulls you back in you're like right back in Woodsboro let's get on with this so in enter Sydney and she's attending a book event with her assistant so she's been writing a book called Out of Darkness is it mm-hmm. she's so cheesy but it's so great I know. <laughs> so she's writing about her experiences so she's she's probably moved on from helping people and maybe she's doing that as well um, but it, it does fit the character. I like it. And then enter Dewey and Gail. So they're waking up in bed. They're now married. Um, and Dewey's ringtone goes off. And it's the Beverly Hills Cop theme. Um, but then we get a lovely rendition of Dewey's theme. Really like those vibes coming through. It sounds lovely. Um, I've got a note here as well. That I've always thought David Arquette's voice in this movie is so low. Like... I don't know what's happened to him, like, in the past, like, 10 years, but, like, did you notice that? Um, no, I don't think I did. Honestly, like, sure. I, if yeah. you watch, like, it back to back, well, you have watched it back to back, but compared to, like, Scream 3, his voice sounds, like, so, like, deep and all mannish. 
but I guess that's what happens. Yeah, no, I can, I can see that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Do men's voice get deeper as they age? I don't know. I think mine's getting higher as I age. <laughs> <laughs> but um... I mean, I know I have a deep voice, and I don't know if mine's gotten deeper since I've gotten older. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's so nice to see Dewey back. I absolutely love him. I think he may be my favourite Scream character ever. Um, oh yeah, he's definitely mine. Oh god, I'm just... See, it makes me so nervous saying that, knowing what's coming next month. Because he's so no, going to die, isn't he? And, and we will cry. Mm. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, it's he's so great in this. Because like, he's aged, obviously. But he's still... He's still Dewey, like he's still got those crazy face expressions. Like I just love his his acting with his face. It's so good. Uh, something that Emma Roberts said in the um, in the commentary was that Dewey stank face. You know, and he's like worried about something. He kind of makes that face like he's just yeah. smelled something. His eyebrows and oh, he's, he's just he's so great. I love him so much. <laughs> so then we get introduced to our first new character. So Kirby is speeding past in her car and she gets shouted at by Dewey so she's picking up Jill and Olivia who live next door to each other the first line that Kirby says to Jill is before you get in the car you have to promise not to kill me which I thought was really cool um (laughs) well I mean she doesn't so I guess technically not (laughs) yeah she she Um, held the promise yeah so so she's they're talking about Jill's cousin and we discover that's Sydney they have a nickname for her, the Angel of Death. Then they get a call off Ghostface. It's classic. Watch your favorite scary movie, that kind of thing. So we're back to, back to the classic Ghostface chat. Then we get introduced to Officer Hicks. Uh, we find out that Dewey is the sheriff now, and Officer Hicks is really sweet on Dewey, isn't she? I cannot stand her. She's very weird. Uh, she annoyed me the I love whole her. movie. <laughs> I no, really like she's a creep. <laughs> That's why it's again it's a performance that I really enjoy to watch. Like I think I wanted it's her to die. Camp and fun. Um you wanted her to die. That's so mean. She's harmless. <laughs> Although people but are it saying been funny. people are saying that she may be ghostface in the new movie. You know because what? I mm. she has that weird scene where she's like hiding in the shadows and seems obsessed with Sydney. But like, I don't know if that's just a red herring, but I think did um did Sadie mention that she has a theory that she slept with Billy back in high school and now has a child with Billy and like that's motivation to be Ghostface or something. Oh, but geez, that was, I don't know. That's, that's one of the theories because when that's she's kind saying of a cool about, theory though, it is cool, and I don't know, it's it's kind of possible because it would make sense with how she acts in that scene and. There's, you know, that you remember is... me. Yeah, yeah, and she was like, uh, "I was, I was a lost boy, and you were Tinkerbell, and all, all this." It was a really creepy scene, wasn't it? But um, that would make sense because obviously her son is in the movie, so maybe that's Billy's son. So the lemon squares, like I love the lemon squares thing. Like, first of all, they sound amazing. Like my favorite, they cake... really do. Yeah, my favorite cake is lemon drizzle cake. I don't know if that's what a lemon square is. Do you have lemon drizzle cake over there? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I just love I, it. I like I like um I like it. It's not my go to first, but I will eat it. Oh, it's my go to. If someone like said 
I'll make you a cake. What do you want? Like, that's what I would ask for. Definitely. So I would love. Kevin asked for a uh, Oreo uh, cookie cake for his birthday this next year. That is, that does sound pretty good. It is really good. I would um, love uh, one of Officer Hicks's lemon squares, to be honest. Um, That sounds like a euphemism. (laughs) (laughs) And then this, this line where she says, Go on, have one. You're not cheating on your wife if you eat one of my lemon squares. <laughs> I know, and it makes Dewey so awkward. He gets all shy. <laughs> yeah, so funny. Love that line. Um, and then they get called to the ghost face murder scene. And then we see that Gail is watching Sydney on TV. And she's trying to write a new book. And she's like, I have no fucking idea what to write. And then the score plays back at Woodsboro High. They've done a good job of transforming... A high school in um, Michigan, looked like Woodsboro High in California. Uh, those columns that are on the front of the school, they're actually put on there uh, by the art department. They weren't on the original building. <laughs> so now we get introduced to some more new characters, Robbie Mercer and his mate Charlie. They're like the film guys in this. They're like, well, Robbie's obsessed with like vlogging everything on his head cam. They're which... like the new age Randys. Yeah, basically. Um I mean, it's not aged that well, I guess, but it doesn't matter because it actually really works in the in the film. It's great. It does, um, yeah, because, I mean, people do that now. I mean, yeah. I mean, I've, I've and... never seen anyone wear, like, a head cam and do it kind of that way, but everyone's always... Well, they have GoPros now and stuff. That's true. So It's just uh, evolved, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, we find out that Charlie is kind of, like, sweet on Kirby, um, and then we see... Kirby and Jill and, and she's like uh, oh Charlie likes you and she's like I like him to tease him, to torment him to make him squirm <laughs> um, and then we get introduced to Jill's boyfriend Trevor Ugh. and he's clearly just there to be a red herring he's just a uh, douche and he gaslights her the whole time yeah he's trying to like patch things up with her um, and she's having none of it then we get Gail visiting Sydney at a book event and then Dewey arrives with the police and says that he's traced a cell phone to that location that was used um, in the murders. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he rings it and finds out that it's in the boot of Sydney's rental car. The boot. Or, 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 yeah, or the trunk. The trunk. The trunk. <laughs> um, along with like a knife and a load of blood. So, yeah, it's like, duh, duh, duh. <laughs> um, and then we're back at the high school and everyone's phone starts ringing and they found out about the murders. Um, and then we're at the police station. And uh, I love Hicks and Gail's chemistry here. Like, it's almost another Jennifer and Gail rival relationship kind of thing. Great improv lines. Uh, your lemon squares taste like ass. Uh, such awesome. a great, Such a great line. <laughs> Um, and then Sydney reunites with Jill um, and then it's all oh, the ghost face calls are being investigated everyone's a suspect that kind of thing so we find out that there'll be 24 hour police protection for Sydney and her family it's just funny that they even do that because they know they know that those police aren't going to do anything <laughs> yeah. I mean we know it from the other movies with the bodyguards and the police they don't ever For some reason, these people are just more intelligent than (laughs) than these people who train. You could say they're like a ghost. 
they just they just get back. <laughs> well, in fact, that line is used, isn't it? Like Adam so. Brody, he does say it. He's like, "Oh, sorry, Sheriff. He's just like a ghost." <laughs> oh yeah, um, he does say that. Uh, so so then um, Sydney's assistant Rebecca, uh, she meets Gail and like totally fangirls over her. Like <laughs> I love the line where she's like, "You were my nineties." <laughs> Um, and uh, she comments on like a relationship with Dewey, which is quite funny because, like, she says in real life, you two would never be. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> um, then we're at Jill's house. We found out that Sydney is staying at Jill's house, so there's the setup for that. Um, and then so Jill's in her bedroom, and Trevor appears suspiciously there. Um, and then Sydney walks in. And then Trevor makes like a swift exit um, through the window. And she says like in not so many words that that reminds her of her and Billy when she was younger, you know. Um, Would you settle for a PG-13? <laughs> <laughs> um, so then she exits the room after that and bumps into Deputy Hicks. Oh, yeah. Um, being a creeper. Standing in the darkest corner in the hallway. And it's so hilarious. <laughs> It's like a great scare as well. Very funny. And she's like, you don't remember me, do you? We were in Peter Pan together. I played a lost boy. You were Tiger Lily. <laughs> Creepy. <laughs> so she doesn't remember from high school. Um, so that's another suspect set up there. Um, and then we get the buddy cops outside in the car. As you said, for Adam Brody. Um mm. And uh, the black guy, he's he was in Transformers. Uh, actually, yeah, I don't know what his name is. He's a really good comedic actor. Um, some of the outtakes with him in this are hilarious. Um, oh, that was something that I want to mention, the outtakes. I, I sent you the gag reel, didn't I? It's on YouTube. Um, I implore. Is that a word? Im- implore? I recommend everybody search for Scream 4 gag reel on YouTube because it is an absolute treat. Uh, because throughout the whole shooting of the movie um they would prank the actors put on the ghost face mask and jump out at them when they weren't expecting it and there's some fucking hilarious bits in it <laughs> so funny so jill and kirby they're watching Shaun of the dead in jill's room great movie uh, not my favorite but again it's not my favorite genre horror comedy <laughs> and it's british i don't like british stuff <laughs> oh but i love those actors so yeah then they call next door uh, her neighbor Olivia, and uh, while they're on the phone to Olivia, then Ghostface calls and Kirby talks to him, um, and he's like, "How's the movie?" And she's like, "What movie?" And he's like, "Shaun of the Dead." She's like, "How do you know that?" And he goes, "Because I'm standing in the closet." <laughs> Such a great line. It's just like so scary. So then she's like, "No, you're fucking not. There's no way you're in there." So then she goes over to the closet. And this was one of the, the parts where they pranked her and there was actually someone in there with the oh ghost face God. mask on that jumped out. And it's so funny. Uh, but yeah, she opens the closet. There's no one in there. She's like, you're not in there? like, And he's like, I never said I was in your closet. And it's like, whoa. And they look through the window and he's next door and he jumps out of the closet. Olivia gets killed. Great kill. Yeah, she's screaming, and those cops don't do a dang thing. <laughs> well, apparently, they, they, they explain that in a bit. Like, they weren't outside the house at the time. Like, he says something like, I circled around the block because I saw him go around the back of the house or something, or he must have doubled back on us or 
some of this bullshit, but yeah, it's a very loud, noisy, gruesome death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're not there to be seen. But again, maybe a red herring in the in the story. Yeah. Well, maybe it's one of them. Um so yeah, great, great kill. I mean, how um, how demented do you have to do to be well, I mean, I guess they're all demented who kill each other, but she kills her best friend, you know? Yeah. Or has her best friend killed or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And she's like watching at the window and they're both like screaming, watching it happen. Um and actually I found out something that I, I posed a question to, to myself last episode on who actually plays Ghostface in the screen movies, you know. You've got Kane Hodder and and others for, for Jason Voorhees and obviously Nick Castle for Michael Myers, but who is Ghostface? You know, I've never known this. So it's actually mostly one dude called Dane Farwell, and he's a stuntman that's played Ghostface in all of the screen movies, apart from three, where Brian Avery played Ghostface in that one. Um, he actually returned in Scream 4 to be David Arquette's stunt double. But yeah, the main dude who plays Ghostface is Dane Farwell. So yeah, he's now on my on my bucket list of horror people to meet. <laughs> well, that's really cool. Yeah. So then Sydney runs next door and she's just missed Ghostface. She sees the murder scene with Olivia with her guts literally hanging out, blood everywhere. Like it's a really nice, nasty scene. Um like there's literally blood all over the room. It's great. And Ghostface calls her. And uh, he says, welcome home, Sydney. A preview of upcoming events. He basically tells her he's going to make her suffer until he's ready to kill her. And then Jill appears. And Ghostface jumps out again. And he cuts Jill. And then Sydney fights him and he disappears. Um, yeah, so she kicks him in the face, mm-hmm. right? And then in the next scene, when you see him, there's like nothing there. I'm like, mm, Okay. That's true. That's a good point. You should have at least had a little bit of blood. I mean, have you ever, have you ever been kicked in the face? It's not fun. It hurts. <laughs> it hurts really bad. I've been yeah. roundhouse, roundhouse kicked in the face before. Was was the person wearing uh, American flag pants? Um, no, but they were wearing a taekwondo gi. If that helps. <laughs> oh shit. Um, but yeah, so then the police come in and then Trevor suspiciously shows up and then we get Robbie and Charlie, they're vlogging the event happening. So they're like well, watching it all, all happen with the police and everything going on. And they meet Gail and they talk about working together. And um, Gail says, oh, you know, I could do an appearance at your cinema club. And it's funny because like they're actually more interested in Sydney appearing. And she has this line where she says, uh, yeah, sure, she's the Daniel Radcliffe to my J.K. Rowling. Um, and then Sydney and her assistant are at the hospital. And she's getting discharged. And then Sydney fires her because she's basically trying to cash in on what's going on, like trying no, to book like her interviews. greedy can you be? That's exactly what they'd be like. It's very accurate. <laughs> so, yeah, she's like, fuck you, you're fired. Uh, fired, fired. <laughs> and then we get the car park scene where Ghostface kills her. I hate this scene too because it's so scary. It is. It's so it's scary. Great. And really I hate scene. being in um, car garages. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I think we've all like got a bit of a fear of like an empty car park. You know, like yeah. it's, a, it's very eerie and 
there's lots of horrible things that could happen to a person. <laughs> so this is, you know, again, where's the master of preying on everybody's little subconscious fears, you know? Mm -hmm. Great scene. Lots of great jumps in this scene as well. It's 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 awesome. Um, actually, funny you should mention like being in a a car park, an empty car park. The other day, I got my dream of being in an empty movie theatre. Um, <laughs> nice. I went I went I went one morning to go see the new Disney movie Encanto, which by the way is fantastic. Uh, but I didn't have anything to do before work, and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to see this film. Uh, so. I went in dressed in my uniform. I got got a few weird looks by the staff. Like, what's this dude doing? <laughs> Go and see a kid's film on his own. But yeah, literally, <laughs> yeah, literally, I walked in and there was no one else in there. And I was like, awesome. Like, sat down, like the trailers are playing, still no one there. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to get this movie theater to myself for the whole film. Turns out it's actually pretty creepy sitting in the movie theater on your own because <laughs> i yeah. was like looking around like i've done it thinking that i could like see people sat there and i was like whoa like i'm getting i'm tripping myself out <laughs> yeah this it's, is quite it's scary creepy yeah i used to have to clean them by myself and man it would be the worst oh yeah put all the lights on like fuck that <laughs> no the worst thing about working in the movie theater is that we um still had to put the actual film through a machine Mm -hmm. to start each movie and uh the room that it was in was pitch black other than the little bit of light you get where the yeah. um machines were and like at the end of the room it was just, just so dark like I always felt a weird presence every time I was up there Ooh. so I would hurry up and do it as fast <laughs> as I could <laughs> that's so cool that always fascinates me that like you know you actually have to put a film on to project it like i always love like w when i can actually see the image coming from that little box onto the screen like you can see like the mm -hmm. the light beam of the image and i'm just like wow, yeah that's so fucking cool like, it was really cool except for whenever you would miss a like section where you were supposed to put it in and then the whole movie unraveled and fell on the floor and you had to pick it all up and put it right back on the uh, <laughs> canister thing did you ever um, try and splice like a, a a penis in between like in Fight Club? Uh, no. <laughs> but I do have a piece of film that um, got the the light burnt through it. Um, it was Madagascar, and so like, have you ever seen like whenever the light burns through a piece of film and it like crackles and like oh yeah 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 I have a piece of that. It's really awesome. Huh, that's cool. Um. Yeah. So where are we up to now? Um. Brie Larson. Brie Larson's dead, and then we get we cut to the police press conference, um, and then her body basically gets thrown down there from the Which top I'm... of the building. Awesome. It's a great stunt awesome. as well because that's a real person jumping off the sixth floor of a parking garage. <laughs> like, so good. Um, and then we're back to Woodsboro High. And there's a 9 p.m. curfew. Um, actually, it's something that I'll, I'll probably cut this out, but, you know, the COVID stuff over here is kicking off. We've In Ireland, they've actually just announced an 8 p.m. curfew because of the COVID so bad. Like, how fucking crazy is that? That's insane. Yeah, stuff's getting mad over here. Like, I don't know if that gig I'm going to on Monday is going to be cancelled, but 
it's not looking good. <laughs> so everyone's got to be in at 9pm. We're at Cinema Club um, and Sydney and Gail are making their appearance there. Um, lots of cool horror movie chat going on here. I love the line where it's uh, they're introducing Sydney and they say, you know, next to Jamie Lee Curtis, this is the dream. It's like, you know what? That's that's true. That's very accurate for me as well. <laughs> yeah, for me too. Yeah, those they are the two uh, big, big ones, you know. Um, and they're explaining the horror remake rules. Um, and then the, the line is uh, that there's a party and it's a guaranteed third act main cast bloodbath. So then, of course, we get Stabathon, where they're showing all all the stab movies back to back. And this is an event they put on every year. Yeah, and it looks like my nightmare. It, <laughs> I love the look of this. It's like an old barn. Like, that's such a cool setting as well. Like, I'd, I'd love to go to this. It looks sick. Um, so Gail puts on a ghost face mask uh, to sort of be incognito at it. She's just getting an invite. Um, I love that, that she's, she has the ghost face mask on at one point. And uh, she does like a little goofy dance as well, which she's trying to like blend in. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, <laughs> she's all dressed like an old person too. Well, like, yeah. Not an old person, but like an adult. <laughs> yeah. um, and again, uh, the t-shirt that Robbie wears in this scene, I own from Welcome to Horrorland. He did replica merch. Of that I stab- know, that shirt is so cool. Like, green stab t-shirt. I want so one so cool. bad. We'll have to... Uh, get you on when they reprint them i was gonna say if she ever reprints them i'm yeah. down it's awesome um so then it's the stab drinking game as well that they play um, yeah and everyone's rowdy um i do hate that everyone's like copying all the lines like i would i would hate to, to be in the presence of those people while they were doing that like okay if i've seen the movie a million times you know but if i was at a screen marathon and everyone was like repeating what they were saying on the screen. Like I would not be enjoying that at all. Oh, I wouldn't. So, I wouldn't enjoy it at all either. So then Gail is placing cameras all around the place in order to like monitor the party. Um, it's a callback to what they did, where what she did with Kenny in Scream One, really, when they when they put the camera in Stu's house. Um, so then she goes back to the car to like watch on the on the screen monitors. And she's Ghostface. He's taking the cameras down one by one. So then she calls Dewey to tell him what's going on. Um, great line here. How meta can you get? And he's like, how water can you get? <laughs> I don't know. That's what all the kids are saying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so then she goes in to fix them. And as she's doing it, Ghostface is like creeping up behind her. And it's really cool because she's like holding the camera facing behind her. So Dewey can see it. And she's like discovering this webcam that he's set up. So then Gail gets attacked and nobody hears because obviously the movie's playing similar screaming sounds as this is happening. <laughs> so she gets stabbed. Dewey Dewey appears, shoots him and Ghostface runs off. Who do you think is stabbing Gail? Is it Charlie uh, or is it Jill? At this point, I don't know, because at this point, Jill's meant to be in her room. But then we discover that she's not there because she... Uh, she Snuck goes to Kirby's. To... Yeah. Um. So it it could possibly be Jill. We don't know what time she she goes from her bedroom, so it could be Jill. Um. The only reason I think it might be her is because it, I think if Charlie was sort of like sneaking about, someone would notice because he was sort of one of the hosts, wasn't he? 
If, yeah, you know, he was. unless you found like a, a dark corner to get in a ghost face costume and then take it off, I don't know. But probably Jill. Who do you think it was? Yeah, I think it was her. Mm-hmm. So yeah, then we get the line that you know they discover that she's telling Dewey that uh, there was a webcam there, and this time he's making the movie. It's like whoa, cool little twist. Then we get the cops in the car outside of Jill's house, and there's some really good dialogue here when they're talking about like how it sucks to be a cop in a movie, uh, unless you're Bruce Willis. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then he goes, I'll be right back. And he's like, shit. And Adam Brody's like, it's all right. New decade, new rules. <laughs> um, so then he goes, he's like, I'll take it now. So he goes on the patrol and he sees a window open. Um, and then he goes back to the car and there's like a fake scare where Perkins like pretends to be dead, but he's not. Um, and then Ghostface comes up behind Adam Brody and stabs him. Um, and then we get Perkins with probably the best kill in the movie with the knife to the head. Um, and I just love how this is done, where he actually stands up and walks away after he's been stabbed in the head. And there's like blood pouring everywhere. Like, we've never really seen this before. Usually people just die, especially if you get a knife in the head. Should be dead, right? But apparently, well, you can't even really stab anybody in the head. I guess so, because it's skull, isn't it? You can only go through skull with a knife. Well, but this apparently... must be Jill right here, because oh, that's a good point. Yeah, the, so this will be, be Jill, and that will have to be Charlie. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, you're right, because Jill is obviously there to do that. But yeah, apparently, getting stabbed in the head like that and like walking out afterwards is like is realistic. People have like gone to A and E with like. Or, or the emergency room um, with like stuff stuck in their head and they're still conscious and talking mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. and but then we get the line uh, fuck Bruce Willis and then he just <laughs> falls down <laughs> so funny and then Jill's mum comes back after shopping and then Sydney she gets a call from Ghostface and he says uh, turn on the TV and then they see the news that Gail's been attacked then she runs upstairs to find Jill she's gone and she's left a message on a computer saying that she's gone to Kirby's. Now we get another good kill. So Jill's mum gets killed. The knife through the letterbox in a, in a bag. Yeah, I thought that was pretty clever. Really good. And Sydney runs out. And then Hicks suspiciously appears. And she doesn't trust her for one minute. She drives off and leaves Hicks. Trusting no one. Um, and then we're at the hospital with Gail and Dewey. And uh, she basically says... Uh, promise me something, catch that motherfucker. Um, and we're at Kirby's house. Jill, Kirby, Charlie and Robbie, they're all there. Um, and, and they say here, like, the party was the false ending, so it's new rules now. Um, and we get some horror movie talk. I love this interaction between Kirby and Charlie here, where she's like, I have powers. He's like so sexy. <laughs> and I also think that, you know, in this scene where she's holding that drink, like I always think that drink looks so delicious, like all the ice and stuff. Like, <laughs> I don't know what it oh, is. I like, don't even know what drink she has. She just makes it look so nice. Like, it reminds me of my favorite tipple when I used to drink uh, with Southern Comfort and lemonade with loads of ice. And I just, the way she's drinking, I always think, oh, it looks so nice. <laughs> I've always got to have loads of ice. I'm an ice fiend. I can't drink soft drinks without ice, like especially water. Oh, yeah, it's hard for me too. But then Trevor appears and she's like, Jesus Christ, where did you come from? And he's like, the front door. 
Um, so Jill's like, where's my phone? Because he's saying that she texted him to come to the party. And then it's this thing about, where's the phone? So then she leaves. And then Robbie gets drunk. He's outside. He's walking and doing some vlogging. And then we get that bit where he hits his head on the hanging basket. And that's a mm-hmm. really good jump scare. Like, I actually jumped yeah. this time. And I've seen this movie so many times. Oh, I, I jumped a couple times, too. There's some great jump scares in there. So then Charlie and Kirby are getting close. They're watching Stab. And she sort of leans in and says, Hey, Charlie, I know you're really into the movie and all, but now would be a really good time to make a move. <laughs> I just love that interaction because he's trying to like act, act all cool still. Um, but then Trevor interrupts and then Charlie like storms off. He's like, wait, wait a minute, did I interrupt something? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> It's so funny. Love all that interaction between them three on this scene. So then we get back to Robbie. He gets killed by Ghostface. And another great line. He's like, you can't stop, stop. There's rules. I'm gay. I'm if it gay. helps. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. So then Jill is back with her phone now. And uh, now Trevor's missing. Um, so everyone's coming and going. It's like everyone's not here for specific reasons because you're like you're still doubting who is doing this. You know, yeah. everyone's disappearing. And Sydney appears as Robbie is dying on the porch, and they all get chased into the house then by Ghostface. And uh, Jill hides under the bed, and Sydney climbs onto the roof, um, and Ghostface is chasing her. And then Sydney calls Dewey and tells him to get there, and then he attacks her. And then she falls off the roof and then she's back in the house and then she bumps into Kirby and they go into the basement and then Charlie's banging on the window to come in and he's like covered in blood and she won't let him in because she doesn't trust him. And then Ghostface comes up behind him and attacks him and the lights go out. And see so the lights come back on and Charlie's gagged and tied to a chair outside the window, just like Steve in the opening scene from Scream 1. Great. Great payback, or what is it? Um, homage. 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 Uh, homage. <laughs> this is how you do references and homages to the original, like, correctly. You know, like, you get, like, these nods here that are very clever, and they add to the story and the plot. Like, they're not shoved down your throat every five minutes, like, in Halloween 2018. You know, they're just so well done. We get some amazing directing with these two endings now. Like, this brilliant suspense. Like, the directing just shines in these last two end scenes. Like, um, then Ghostface calls Kirby and does the movie trivia part. Um, fucking awesome scene. I love her acting in this. She's so good in it. Um, when she's like reeling off all the remakes. Like, that gives me goosebumps when she does that. You know, with the score in the oh, background. Yeah. It's just like, oh, my God, it's so good. You're, like, naming all my favorite movies here, and it's just so great. Um, and then she goes outside to rescue Charlie, and then it's the twist. He stabs her, and he's like, this is making a move, funk. Um, and, <laughs> and apparently, right, to psych himself up for these scenes, Rory Culkin drank 15 cans of Red Bull, um, oh apparently god he was like, that's so much <laughs> die apparently he was like totally wired and that explains like his uh, disposition in these scenes I guess but it fucking worked because his performance was so good in it but then Sydney gets attacked by Charlie next um, and then 
we get the ghost face unmask. So it's Jill and it's Hello Sydney, surprised. I love it. Um so good. Um and they discuss all the footage that they've got. Uh and then it comes out that they've basically been working together. It's such a great scene. Like this reveal, I think, rivals like Scream One at the end. Like Mm-hmm. It, it another nod as well it's in the kitchen it's like a kitchen reveal like um yeah. and then she then she gets trevor and she's like i am not the girl you cheat on and then shoots him in the dick <laughs> and then in the head um and then emma roberts was saying uh that she's never gonna get a date after this movie <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> um so then she then it's like oh are you ready for act three and there's a great speech that she does about like internet fame and like how nobody works anymore to become famous. You just got to have fucked up shit happen to you. It's just like, you know what? That's it's really true. And it's even more apparent today. Do you know what I mean? It's like it was almost ahead of its time. Yeah, um, for sure. It, I never wanted internet fame, so I don't I can't relate to it. Mm hmm. Yeah, I love I love all this bit. All, all the dialogue in this scene is just so good. Um, and then they're explaining that oh, Trevor will be this generation's Billy, um, and they want to be like Sydney and Randy. Basically, they'll come out of this as the good guys. Uh, so they're trying to frame everyone else, uh, and that's how they want to become famous. Um, so then we find out that they're like a couple, I guess. Um, which is interesting because we don't really get any scenes with them both together yeah. interacting in the, in the film apart from this. Um, and then they've got the plan to obviously injure each other. Um, and he's like psyching himself up and he's like, yeah, come on, old school like Billy and Stu. Um, and then she stabs him in, in the heart basically and just fucking kills him. I know, that was intense. <laughs> um and oh yeah, this was the scene where Emma Roberts kept missing the pad and actually stabbing him for real in the body. <laughs> <laughs> so that look on his face is is real, like how that really hurt. <laughs> um, and then she's like, "What the media really loves is a sole survivor. Trevor was your partner, and like you were the idea man." And then she's like, "You've had to kill her friends and her mum," and she's like, "I don't need friends. I need fans." Um, and it was never about killing you. It's about becoming you. Great little little commentary on it. It's almost like the strongest motivation for a ghost face. Mm-hmm. She stabs Sydney, and then she totally fucks herself up. Like, this always makes me wince, this sequence. I know. Like, she uses Sydney's nails to scratch her, first of all. And then she uses Sydney's hand to pull a chunk of her hair I out. Know. Ugh. And then... Then she stabs herself by like running into a wall with a knife pointed at her shoulder. It's like, oh, uh, oh actually, when she screamed, that woke up Oscar, my deaf dog. Oh, so that, that scream. <laughs> he's only he's only been woke up by Emma Roberts and um, Jamie Lee Curtis with screams. So they are <laughs> they are scream queens for him. Um, so then she runs into a picture frame. Uh, which actually looks really goofy when she does it, but it's it's so brutal at the same time. It's great. Um, and then she throws herself onto a glass table, and it's just amazing. Like, that whole sequence is just like, wow. And then she just, like, stumbles over to Sydney and positions herself just right in exactly the same pose, like, mirroring her, like, right next to her. Um, and then the police arrive at this second, and then Jill gets carried away on a stretcher, 
while all the press are like trying to interview her and take photos of her and she's she's looking around like loving it um then we're in the hospital and like Doobie's speaking to Jill and um and then she's saying how I'd like to write a book with Gail it would be a good team with our matching wounds and all then she finds out that Sydney's still alive and uh, it's a great moment like you see the change in her she's like fuck after all that I've done like <laughs> she's still alive and then she like fakes to go to sleep and then waits till Dewey's left and gets up from her bed and she goes to find Sydney and then Dewey goes to see Gail and says about the conversations just had with Jill and he mentions the the matching wounds thing and it's like penny drops it's like hang on a minute how did she know I was stabbed I know like, Gail so she's so good at that she picks up on all that stuff like yeah catches it really quickly <laughs> And then Dewey's, the realisation for Dewey, it's so good. Um, so then uh, Jill finds Sydney and this line where she's like, why don't you just die already? Who are you, Michael fucking Myers? Yeah. <laughs> so good. And then uh, she fights her and she's like sticking her fingers in her wounds and stuff. And it's like, oh, it's so wincy. Um, and then Dewey arrives and he gets lamped with a bedpan, just like, absolutely belted over the head of this bedpan. Um, and then she grabs his gun and goes to shoot Sydney. And then Gail and Hicks arrive. And then she shoot Hicks. And uh, she puts Gail at gunpoint. And um, she's so, like, distracting her. Sydney's in the background. And she's, like, charging up them paddles that they use to, like, resuscitate people. And she's like, any final words? And she's like, yeah, clear and she's like, clear? And she gets zapped in the head. <laughs> so, clear. <laughs> clear? <laughs> um, and then she says, you forgot the first rules of remakes, Jill. Don't fuck with the original. Great nice. line. <laughs> and I'll be quoting that again next month, I bet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but then she comes back, of course, and then tries to stab her. And then Sydney just shoots her. She's too wise. She knows that's going to happen. Yeah. She's um, over it. She's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't even look she just like turns around and shoots her yeah um apparently though she was originally meant to be shot in the head but they changed it last minute to shoot in the chest or the stomach uh because they want to sort of they wanted to leave it open-ended that mm. she may come back and if you actually look very closely when she's lying next to her on the floor at the end um you can see a tiny little twitch in Jill's eye as ah. the camera pans away. Ooh. Um, so it's kind of like, oh, she could be alive still. Um, nice. Again, with Kirby, um, the last frame you see of Kirby, she's actually still moving on the floor. Mm. So a lot of people, conspiracy theories are flying around for Scream 5, like, oh, Kirby or Jill may return. We'll see. I don't think they will, movie. personally. This is such a great movie. It's so good. Uh, so then, <laughs> as well, uh, we get Hicks popping up for one little last final cheesy line. Wear the vest, save your chest. She's wearing a bulletproof She's vest. She's such a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> and then we see all the reporters outside the hospital. Um, and they're reporting on, uh, well, they don't know what's happened inside the hospital. And they're saying it's the Woodsboro Massacre reboot. And that Jill is an American hero right out of the movies. And then it's back to a close-up of her dead face. And then the credits play. And it's like, yes, it's a great ending. <laughs> um, I actually like the song as well that plays here. Bad Karma by Ida mm-hmm. Maria. It's pretty good. Uh, and then we get a nice montage of all the clips of the actors, which I love, and all their names. 
Uh, final thoughts on Scream 4? I love it. So at this moment, Scream, the original, Scream 4, Scream 2, and Scream 3 for me. Okay. Well, for me, I would put it in third place, like in front of Scream 3, but behind Scream 2 and Scream 1. Like, um, I love it. I think it's so funny and gory and creepy, like, and atmospheric. Like, it's, it balances all of the angles that you need in a horror movie so well. Like, it's really well acted and well written, brilliantly directed, and such a fitting swan song for Wes Craven. Like, Yeah, I agree. And it's amazing that this film was made by a guy in his 70s. Like, <laughs> how, how Wes managed to stay so relevant, like, right up until the end is so sick. Yeah. Like, what a perfect final film for him. I just hope they honor him in Scream 5. That's all I'm I saying. Know, me too. I guess that about does it for this episode. A couple of quick shout outs. Zebel Bro on Instagram. Uh, he's got a horror movie podcast called Spaceman and the Doll. Yeah, uh, check so it go, out. Go and check it out. They've been very kind in promoting us. Shout out to my sister, Bethany, who always listens to my mom. My mom's like my number one, our, our number one fan. She even texted me yesterday and was like, oh my God, I love you guys so much. <laughs> oh we love you too well obviously you love her but <laughs> oh, of course i love her, <laughs> I love her too <laughs> yeah all the usual people um you know who you are ash bowker ryan horn jb daniel cox field mouse all the usual crowd thank you everybody for listening come back next episode when we will be talking about scream 5 or scream 2022 so excited <laughs> so excited for that um so yeah Send any comments or questions, contact horrorhomeschool at gmail.com and personal social media stuff. You can follow me on Instagram at Chris J. Wakefield. And me at underscore Baberham Lincoln underscore. We will be back soon with another episode. And remember, sick is the new saying. <laughs>